Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Robert Burns came of Scottish lowland farming stock and worked the land himself. These origins gave his poems an earthy realism which created a sensation in an age still dominated by notions of literary refinement. He quickly became a phenomenon after the publication of his poems, chiefly in the Scottish dialect. The poems and songs of this edition appeal to a European-wide taste for primitive genius. Also, The Gargle. Hello, this is The Gargle, the Sonic Glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for Visual World. I am your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are Tom Neenan. Hello! Hey, and James Colley. Hello. Hello. Very sober hello. Uh, yes. I just thought I should yin your yang. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we work. This is why the dynamic is so electric. <laughs> well, it's, it's like who chooses the first chess piece uh, can dictate the course of the game. If you choose to come in cheerful, yeah, you know that James Colley's going to meet you as your nemesis. This is the Colley's Gambit, as we call it. <laughs> Before we grasp each other's hips and uh, start doing the wiggly dance that is this week's top stories, let's have a look at the front cover. The front cover this week is newly single Camilla Moroni, Leonardo DiCaprio's latest 25-year-old ex-girlfriend, posing provocatively with a fully formed prefrontal cortex. On one hand, I'm pleased for both of them. On the other hand, I think it's a real tragedy that he's aged out of the demographic who remember him from Romeo and Juliet and into the demographic who remember him from Django Unchained. Have you been following this story? I don't think it, I'm not sure if it counts as news <laughs> that Leonardo DiCaprio never dates anyone older than 25, but are you aware of it? Well, yeah, I was following this because I was like, I'm working on a show right now that's about misinformation. And we're like, well, this is a prime example that this is the kind of thing that people believe. But when you go back and check it, it's not real. Nope, turns out right on, <laughs> right on. And look, I the bit I will sympathize with is have you hung out with a 25-year-old? It's awful. But don't <laughs> hang out with a 24, 23 and 22-year-old to get to that point. <laughs> 
you know, collectively, his girlfriends are, you know, pushing 100. So, you know, that is that is impressive. All I would say is, uh, if you want to know more about this, stay tuned for my review section, because I have thoughts. Oh, they used to say you can't make it in Hollywood over the age of 27. But let's be honest, DiCaprio can't make it in you if you're older than 25. Ayo! <laughs> when you are dating Leo... And your 25th birthday happens and Mm -hmm. he takes you out for dinner. It must really feel like when the other mobsters say, hop in this rowboat, we're going to have a lovely time on the water. (laughs) (laughs) There's a real old yeller being taken out to the barn vibe, isn't there? (laughs) I like this story because it's either compulsively creepy or weirdly honourable. Like nobody can accuse him of leading these women on. They're capable yeah. of Googling. They're all under 25. If you want to enter the Thunderdome with the best of the best, you have to be willing for one man to leave when you turn 25. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, to be fair, yeah, he has never, he's never hidden this at all. Um, it is just, I mean, I'm going to use the word psychopathic, <laughs> but good for him. You know, own, I think we're all about owning ourselves now and about like kind of being true to ourselves. And he's just doing that. So good for him. Yeah. He, <laughs> That's, that's the best true to my... Do you know what? I've decided to really embrace that I am a slut and I'm going to enjoy every moment of it because that's my truth. Exactly. exactly. I mean, I saw some people accusing him of being afraid of commitment. Bullshit. He is fully committed for life to never dating anyone older than 25. That's a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Leo's a massive environmentalist, and he knows he needs to warn as many young people as possible about the coming climate apocalypse. There's no use dating someone age-appropriate. It's too late for them. I always wonder how him and Greta Thunberg got on, because Greta Thunberg loves icebergs, and you sort of think Leonardo DiCaprio must absolutely hate them, so dichotomy. The satirical uh, cartoon this week is a, a, a person in mime makeup saying, children should be seen and not heard, which is why I'm raising a troop of mimes. And then there's a lot of children uh, miming being sad. <laughs> and, and Leonardo DiCaprio is going to date all of them. Hey. Ayo! <laughs> now it's time for our top story, tech news story. Uh, this is the news that there are... S- a huge number of undeclared pools in France being uncovered by artificial intelligence technology. Uh, James Colley, you're wet. Can you unpack this story for us? <laughs> I was really, I was trying to guess ahead of time what I was going to cop, and I was, I thought it would have been your intelligence is artificial. But, uh, <laughs> this is a story where an AI flying over France found more than twenty thousand undeclared pools. Uh, so. These pools boost your property value and then you should have to pay taxes on that greater amount. Now, this is, let's say, a huge step forward technologically. Before this, to find a hidden pool in France, you had to burn down the building on top of it. That's very wasteful, very expensive. And then when it turns out there's no pool underneath the Notre Dame, it's so embarrassing and hard to explain. Um, The problem I have with this is we're leading into the most boring kind of Skynet apocalypse possible. Like, at least the Terminator had big guns and explosions and stuff. They're still going to kill us, but it's just going to be through auditing? Like, this is all, like, it's it's flying tax drones is what has happened here. And they, they tried to justify being like, well... They, they, they've got these illegal pools while 100 municipalities are short of drinking water. But both of those problems are on you. It's not, as if, it's not as if they're like, well, if we just knew those pools were here, we'd invite the village over to all take a cup from it. It's the, you've mishandled two things. Congratulations. <laughs> 
Julian Bayer of France's Europe Ecology Greens Party, he didn't rule out um, a ban on new private pools if they got into power. He said that uh, France needs a different relationship to water and that the ban would be a last resort. Ironically, uh, banning pools would mean that the last person who had a pool installed would be the last resort. (laughs) That was a long walk. (laughs) It was worth it, though. It was worth it. And there was a lovely, cool pool at the end of it, so everyone's happy. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhat of an oasis <laughs> of, of Paradise. But, oh, we got yeah. there. It costs about £170 uh, pounds a year for a 30-square-metre pool. But I understand that pools in the shape of guitars are exempt because um, they're awesome. So uh, so that's OK. <laughs> I don't know. I'm impressed that people have houses opulent enough to hide a, a pool. Like... That's so, it's like, so, you know, finding out that one of your friends has been secreting a tennis court this entire time. And you're like, that is, that is impressive. But no, you're absolutely right. Like, sorry. I, I like, look, this is just an English Australian accent yeah. thing, but I don't believe we use secreting as a verb in that way. So I took you as secreting a tennis court. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite hot outside and they're just sweating pure tennis. <laughs> no, we don't have that word either. Basically, I, I was riffing that. That is absolutely, but now I'm going to use the word secreting all the time. <laughs> I've invented it with neologized. I think it's good. Um, but yeah, obviously, like James was saying, the French have very extreme ways of dealing with uh, very rich people that they no longer want to tolerate. And I think that a fine is very mild in this case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why they call it a fine in France because they're not chopping your head off. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Exactly. Let them paddle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just sort of as a general meditation, how do we feel about artificial intelligence being used for uh, tax purposes? I mean, I feel I should get a deduction for anything I use it for then because that's totally research. So one of those things of like, I've made an AI robot watch 1,000 episodes of Frasier and <laughs> it, it just he just knew that their dinner parties were never going to go well what's the point why why are we giving the tax office robots in general like sure we don't like them taxes are good but no one likes paying for them but don't send a robot to do that job firstly because it rules out the lovely plot of stranger than fiction that could never happen if an ai just scanned the bakery and found out that she was the perfect woman for will ferrell or however the f- that film goes. <laughs> so lovely to hear a stranger than fiction reference you very rarely get them it's well yeah delight to see it it holds up it's a great it film. really does <laughs> this is a much nicer uh, ai tax story than australia's recent run-in with robo debt uh, which was a thing where they sort of just decided that everyone owed Centrelink money. And then, uh, oh, no. yeah, that was great. That was horrendous. Yeah, what we what we did was take our cruelest government department and say, see those like tiny bits of humanity left in this? Let's just squeeze those out of it like blood from a stone. <laughs> and then weirdly, it ended in a massive disaster. <laughs> so that's... Strange, but luckily the minister in charge of it got moved to a different massive disaster he could do at the start of a pandemic. So, you know, that's, we, we fail upwards here. Yeah. <laughs> I Personally, I think this story is absolutely someone from the tax office was caught flying a drone over, watching someone in a bathing suit and had to make up <laughs> an excuse very quickly. That's all that happened. You wouldn't believe how many women in bikinis I've discussed. I mean, sorry. <laughs> we hire one 
one little skunk at the French tax office, and <laughs> he turns out to be a massive perv. Now it's time for your ads because you can't be what you can't buy. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sheep. Sheep, the most grounding friend. Sheep, if porridge were an animal. Sheep, the pacifist dog. Sheep, the heaviest (laughs) cloud. Sheep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care with the wool from its back. Sheep, read them and weep. Count them and sleep. Sheep. (laughs) And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Morning Mist. 500 cubic metres of mist contains up to half a glass of water. Run round with your mouth open in it today. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by an adult bird that's smaller than you expect. It's like you've stepped into a world where you're a giant, or a world where you're the same size but the birds are smaller, or a world where birds are just the sizes that they are and you don't have as much IRL bird experience as you'd like. Tiny grown-up birds. (laughs) Have you seen a tiny grown-up bird recently? Uh, I can't say I have. The birds here are large and aggressive and awful, uh, as you well know. But um, I, you have reminded me of my favourite ever prompt from... Uh, so we have ABC Radio, you would have BBC, but like the very uh, reputation of being very dry even at the best of times. For example, I did an interview on there today where my lead-in was a discussion of bog water and what it should be used for. <laughs> and... Uh, this one was, where have you seen a bird where you didn't expect a bird? Which was lighting up the switchboard, I have to say. <laughs> to be fair, that does sound like a really interesting conversation. Hmm. I don't know why that... Fun. Where have you seen a why bird? Why is that not the, the whole premise of this podcast? Where have you seen a bird that you didn't expect a bird? Bird stories! It's great. That's the warble. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And now it's time for our deep fake scam news, more tech news. Uh, A Binance executive, and that's a word that exists now, a Binance executive has said that that it's not like finance, but it goes both ways. It's a a (laughs) company. A Binance executive has said that scammers have made a fake hologram of him to fool victims. Tom Neenan, I've never met you in real life. Can you unpack this story? <laughs> You've caught me. I am, I am an AI created from the 42 million white men in comedy uh, to, to uh, trick people into thinking that they are being given comedy when actually it's just a load of tricks that people have, which is basically being a white man in comedy. But yes, uh, you are correct. This is... Um, <laughs> A Binance executive, as you say, Binance, a word that makes me cry Nance. I don't know. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's genuinely depressing that that exists. But yeah, so it's a guy mm-hmm. called uh, Patrick Hillman, uh, who apparently people have been having meetings with him via Zoom. 
uh, and decided that Patrick Hillman is the Hillman I want a diamond on. Uh, <laughs> and is that joke the Hillman you want? To <laughs> For some reason, yes. Um, and they have gone. This man who I've met, who uh, seems very nice, even though he doesn't exist, seems good. I will invest my money in him. And or uh, I've been promised. Uh, I'm not quite. Once again, I think one thing established on this podcast is I have no idea how crypto money works. I have no how, uh, idea how Bitcoin works. But basically, that, that there is a situation in which he is sort of a confidence trickster who's getting people to invest their money. Um, there's a lovely quote where he says, "Other than the fifteen pounds that I gained during COVID being noticeably absent, this deepfake is refined enough to fool several highly intelligent crypto community members." A bit of. Lovely bit of a uh, self-effacing humour there from, uh, from <laughs> finance executive Patrick Hillman. Um, but yeah, so basically they're using this to to, to organise meetings with people uh, who don't exist. And like you say, it makes me very suspicious about this. Had I not just seen uh, in in the interim there a dog and a baby, I would be very suspicious indeed. But yeah, what a world we live in. <laughs> I love this. Like, firstly, great new excuse for everything just dropped. Like, (laughs) honey, it's not what it looks like. It's a hologram. I'm a hologram. He's a hologram. What you've walked in on is more of a data transfer than anything illicit. Look, like, I'm I'm shocked that Bitcoin investors are easily tricked rubes. Uh, For me, there's one clear metro in the Bitcoin world, which is, if you had enough early enough to get rich off it, it is suspicious that you had it in the first place. <laughs> and like the only people now who seem to be getting rich off Bitcoin are the hackers and thieves. Mm. And not only is that more lucrative, it's cooler. You can talk about that at a party and people will want to listen to it. <laughs> so my advice is forget all of this, become a thief. Good. <laughs> I mean, with the cost of living crisis that we have in the UK, that is just good advice all around, I think. <laughs> Yeah, let's get the lamest lamies possible going. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to think now, should I have invested all my money and given it all to Tupac after my meeting with him last week? But uh, <laughs> I'm solid that's going to pay off. I feel like the problem with cryptocurrency is the problem that was always with cryptocurrency, which is a lovely idea to, to recreate the whole money system with none of the regulations or black tape or government ownership that uh, has held money back uh, for so long. Uh, and then you find out why all of those things uh, spent thousands of years being invented. <laughs> yes, exactly. Apparently, cryptocurrency-based crime hit an all-time high last year uh, with illicit addresses receiving $14 billion, a 79% increase on 2020. And I'm wondering what about the second year of the pandemic was just so delicious for cryptocurrency criminals? Uh, Was it just more fun? (laughs) It must be annoying. Like, if look, if you were stealing a diamond back in the day, that diamond is still that diamond and that diamond stays a diamond. You don't get the diamond home and then find out the diamond market has crashed <laughs> and you no longer have a diamond worth having. Like, this just feels like a w- risky operation. I mean, diamonds are a terrible example for that. <laughs> <laughs> of all things. It's been a long time since I've 
stolen a diamond. <laughs> I, I presume they were forever. Yeah. <laughs> they were a girl's first friend. I know that at least. <laughs> or does that also go down? Do they go into like they go out of the girls like you yeah. know friendship group at some point? Dogs constant. Well, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Mm. Uh, dogs are a man's best friend. So everyone's best friend is that thing where your dog dies and then you make its ashes into a diamond. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a thing. And I've got an online cryptocurrency business where I can turn your dog into a diamond, even if it's not dead yet. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you, if my cavoodle barks one more time during this episode, he's going to be a very fashionable ring by the start of tomorrow. <laughs> Darling, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> she said yes and also cried. <laughs> Now it's time for our reviews section. Uh, each week, as you know, our guest editors bring in something to review out of five stars. Uh, James Colley, what have you brought in for us? Well, I think the last time we were on together, what I was reviewing was um, not having a drink in somewhat like 100 days, a bit over that. Um, so now what I would like to review is going back to alcohol, baby. <laughs> oh, it's very good. Oh, it's, look, I know not everyone can, but, oh, it, so you know how the world has a bunch of problems? Well, um, this gets rid of them for a bit, and then, then they come back so much worse, but, but that little peak, oh, mwah. so I'm going to give that like three and a half stars. Perfect. <laughs> What's your tipple? What's your tipple of choice that you're attaching to this uh, new revelation? Uh, I love a Negroni. And I love a Negroni because after you had two, you don't have the strength to go up for a third. So it really helps you self-limit. <laughs> Very smart. I mean, also the idea that it makes all your problems go away temporarily and then they come back worse than before. Three and a half stars is basically every review I read of a show in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some of them were like, makes the problem seem even more real. Five stars. Uh, <laughs> that's a different one. Uh, Tom. I saw someone's trauma in a hot box. Five stars. Very good. <laughs> Not traumatic enough. Two and a half stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fringe. Yes. As I, as I hinted at earlier, um, I am going to be reviewing Leonardo DiCaprio's Girlfriends. Um, so here we go. Uh, first up, we have Giselle Bunchen, uh, who's a strong contender, started off dating in 1999. But sadly, she did succumb to the inevitable process of uh, growing older. And they broke up when she was 23. Four stars. Um, Bar Rafaeli, I think you pronounce her name. Uh, extra points for being called Bar, not a common name that could have been uh, sort of both legal and party implications. I like that. Yep. Also, also in in a lot of jokes about three men of different races. <laughs> all... It's something that you can only be around over 21, and then shouldn't be around when you get a few years older. <laughs> it all adds up. Oh my god! So it, it, this goes right the way to the top, or at least up to 25. Um, <laughs> So they started dating in 2005, but sadly there was another man in her life. That's right, Kronos himself. Uh, and she succumbed <laughs> to the inexorable force and uh, and they broke up in 2010, four and a half stars. Blake Lively, they only dated for one and a half years, meaning her age did not change during that time, which must have been a bonus. So she gets five stars. Uh, similarly, Erin Heatherton, uh, who wouldn't have had a birthday, so Leo wouldn't have had to acknowledge that uh, you know time is passing around her. Um, and his last girlfriend was Camilla Moroni, as you say, who looked like she might escape the pool of entropy. Uh, but during that time together, um, she did add, sadly, age five years. And at which point Leo DiCaprio um, did the decent thing and set her free four stars. I understand he's now dating um, a black hole 
which itself sort of changes the path of time. Uh, so maybe they'll be happy together. Uh, so three collapsing stars for that. I think oh, that Leo. So I think my new theory is that Leo is one of a two di- uh, two lion pair. There is Leo on one side, and there is Aslan on the other. And Aslan grows <laughs> with you as you age, and Leo yeah. absolutely <laughs> does not. <laughs> That's so true. Um, it's like Toy Story Three, isn't it? He just that he leaves he leaves them all out on the curb and is like, "You're for someone else now." Goodbye. I mean, he maybe maybe Leonardo is the White Witch, you know. Always, always spring, never winter. <laughs> all right, now it's time for our feather boa news. This is the news of feather boas being used for a deep fake scam. At... <laughs> James Collick, can you unpack this story? Yeah, so feather boas are being used in Australia to entice feral cats and things onto uh, camera traps. So it turns out that native animals and feral cats have the same sexual proclivities of a sad man at a vaudeville show around the turn of a century. (laughs) They just cannot resist a feather boa enticingly draped. So this, this is kind of like our French pool. This is one of those discoveries that is equal parts remarkable and proof that science were absolutely screwing about the whole time before stumbling upon this like you published two days later and this is about how feral cats actually like fruit bowl based headwear and hip heavy dance moves i i can't help but think cat food would have worked their cats they probably like cat food but there was one quote from this story about the camera traps uh, being used that i loved which was from a phd student university of tasmania and it says camera traps are the bomb diggity and it's very rare <laughs> that you hear bomb diggity in any scientific discovery. It's I would have liked to hear it once at the detonation of the first atomic bomb diggity uh, to hear Oppenheimer say in his grim way, I am become death destroyer of the world. Unfortunately, this is the bomb diggity. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the the research of this of the PhD student who discovered this mm. is sort of an odd one because they've they've compared uh, sixty four camera traps with four different lures: mm. one, food, a cage of meat; uh, two, smell, tuna oil; uh, three, visual, the feather boa; and four, null, just a post and nothing else to see which would lure the people into into. Um, when I say the people, I mean feral uh, cats and, and wild <laughs> animals uh, lure the the speciesies speciesies around <laughs> around to the post but it feels like that's a fairly random assortment of things it could just be you know uh, feather boas a g-string titties and like some nice nail <laughs> polish like how many iterations are we through it feels like cats just have the same instinct that we do which is when you see a bit of meat or something with a strange smell or whatever fine leave it be but if you see a feather boa in the forest you say okay now what the f- is that what are you doing here <laughs> <laughs> coincidentally as well uh, a meat cage is a uh, is, is what i call my corporeal form uh so i'm just a soul trapped in a meat cage and uh, one day i'll be free um did you hear the uh, the phd student actually um got uh, she's been given the mark for her phd uh, her supervisor apparently said um i like the way you worked it bomb diggity i'd like to bag it up um had to, i just had to get that out you know i had to like void it but uh, we, we can move on now don't worry i just think this is terrible that they call it a, a camera trap rather than what we call it which is instagram <laughs> <laughs> 
This is so close to my heart because my hometown, as Alice has endured before, has a very big thing about uh, a feral cat. The the Penrith panther is our local cryptid. Uh, we are very, very fond of the panther, whose origin story is apparently a panther escaped from a circus 80 years ago and is still out there, fine, alone, <laughs> unaging. And every so often, you get a photo from the distance of a cat on a post that if you don't know anything about how scale works, just might be the panther. <laughs> Uh, fine, alone, unaging, Leonardo DiCaprio's perfect girlfriend <laughs> is the Penrith Panther. Most shocking of all, apparently a lot of feral cats secretly have pools as well that no one knew about, so that is... <laughs> I've got to say, the Leonardo DiCaprio news is just so delightful because it's it, it, it's creepy enough to make fun of without being deeply upsetting, mm. it's you know? a Hollywood sort of, uh, you know, sort of relationship breakdown that doesn't leave you with a, a horrible taste in your mouth is a real treat, isn't it? It's a real thing <laughs> yeah. to say, but... And it's also like the kind of obscene movie star crap that has gone out of favor. Like this is Marlon Brando coming back a whole pant size bigger than he left for lunch. Like this is the kind of thing <laughs> that you should be doing if you're this kind of weird ultra star. Now it's time for our VMA fashion section. The VMA awards are always the funnest fashion uh, on the red carpet because it's sort of the dress code seems to be eh? <laughs> Tom Neenan, what's your favourite look for the VMA red carpet this year and uh, what's the story behind it? Right, yeah, so I was, I was, I, I'm fascinated by the VMAs, as you say. I think there's some, some beautiful uh, stuff going on there. I've chosen the uh, very funny lady, Chloe Feynman, mm. uh, from Saturday Night Live. Uh, she, um, uh, I, I very much liked her piece, which is apparently from Instacart. I don't know how to pronounce anything to do with fashion, so I'm going to say Instacart. And what she's chosen to go with is like a half spacesuit, half sleeping bag, um, which uh, sort of <laughs> looks like she's trying to sort of fight climate change by not intonating her home, but intonating herself. Progressive. Um, it's described as a chrome puffer, uh, which uh, I think lives somewhere in the North Sea. Um, and uh, also a, a chrome puffer, I think, sounds like someone who can't speak English describing a spoon. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's reflective, which I think is playing homage to the Artemis mission, which was sadly cancelled. Um, but yeah, environmentally conscious. Uh, I I'm very sexy. I, I I love it. I did like. I also flagged this look. I think this is a great one. Yeah. It looks a bit like the mattress you keep around for your guests that inflates, but doesn't really inflate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're lying on hard floor by the morning, aren't you? <laughs> I found Lizzo's, uh, Lizzo's outfit this year a little bit traumatic because I've been in Edinburgh where they've currently got a bin strike and she <laughs> looks like she's sort of rising sexily like a Venus but out of a pile of possibly garbage bag, uh, which is probably... I'm getting sort of fla uh, psychological flashbacks to the smell of a big pile of 11-day-old garbage. Uh, oh, my goodness. Despite the fact that Lizzo looks amazing, uh, it's just too close uh, to, to the feral scuttling noises I heard coming out of a pile of rubbish the other day. <laughs> I don't few here that i loved um and i have to preface this by saying i am at this moment wearing socks and sandals so my judgment is <laughs> final on all of these beautiful rich people uh yeah. <laughs> colton hayes was the dastardly riddler jack harlow dressed in a body bag but my favorite so far 
were the swashbuckling theme that seemed to happen. So uh, Conan Gray, who is a singer I've definitely heard of, uh, had a bit of a <laughs> ghost of the helmsman who died on this very ship on this very night 20 years ago about him. Very, like, withery, puffy, nothing's gone well there. And he happened to be there around the same time as Taylor Swift, who came dressed as someone midway through swinging on a chandelier. And I thought together, they really brought back a piratey vibe that I had been missing. <laughs> I very much enjoyed Lil Nas's look, which sort of looked like a, 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 a bird was exploding behind him. Um, <laughs> Lil Nas is the only person that these awards are worthwhile for. Like, yeah. both, both performance, fashion statement, like, and also uh, for me personally uh, to get away from the idea that I am old and out of touch because he's someone whom I know. I have heard of, and I can say that's who that person is when they're on the red carpet, and that makes me feel like I could still date Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) (laughs) I believe in you. Uh, That's all the time we have for this week's episode of the podcast. I'm flipping through the ads at the back. Uh, Tom Nina, have you got anything to plug? Um, I do. Uh, My uh, Radio 4 show, The Hauntoning, uh, is being, the Series 3 is being repeated, I can say this, on the 7th of... What month is it? September. It starts on the 7th of September, 11 o'clock on Radio 4, so check that out, with uh, a brand new series, Hot On It's Heels, in October. Um, I think it begins um, October 4th. Uh, Yes, I'm pretty sure October 4th. So check those out if you live in the UK or have access to any kind of uh, BBC outlet. James. For those of you inside Australia, a show called Question Everything is coming back. Uh, I believe it's around the end of the month. Uh, So check that out if you are in the geo-blocked region of Australia where we put on this show. If you're not, check out our flights to Australia. It is well worth your time. Other than that, yeah, it's my birthday in a week. Just send me something. <laughs> oh, it will, it will. I will be back in the geoblocked region of Australia. You could mention that to the bookers. I'm filming my show <laughs> Kronos on the 11th of September in London. Find me online at Patreon.com/slash Alice Fraser at One Stop Shop for all of my snap specials, podcasts, and blogs. This is a Bugle Podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'm Alice Fraser. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.